I am unashamed. What about you? All right, so we're back. We got Larry Bowles still with us in the house. It's always good to have you with us, Larry. Great to be here, guys. So we're just we're just continuing our last discussion. We 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 did a little bit more in overtime uh, as well. And um, Larry, we we had already done the podcast three through twelve because your your sermon text was thirteen, which we talked about some on the last podcast. But I want to get your take on starting in verse ten. This idea about that it's the salvation has been that you know this has been talked about. This has been mm. looked at throughout all time. That kind of hits your wheelhouse. Because oh you, my goodness, yes, uh, I love the first three words concerning. This salvation. Yeah, verse 10. Oh, my goodness. And this is this is what Peter's focus is. And we talked about how he's moved from a purely, or really, the Lord has moved him from a purely Jewish audience now into a Gentile uh, thing. And so he, he is out of his comfort zone, out of his wheelhouse a little bit. But he understands that it is the exact same gospel. Uh, it's the exact same salvation. And he begins in much of the same uh, way that he approaches a Jewish audience, and that is with prophecy. And uh, as we deal with, um, with, with Muslims that are coming out of the Middle East, Northern Africa, um, most all of them accept, uh, ac- accept as truth uh, the Old Testament. Uh, because they love the Psalms and they love you know the prophets and all of that, and so messianic prophecy is the thing. Because my my one thing is the deity of Christ. Uh, when they move from the idea that Jesus is a prophet, which they do hold these a prophet, but it can't be God. When they get their mind around the fact that this is God in the flesh, the Creator stepped into His own creation, that this is God, not not God doing miracles through a man, but this is God in the flesh doing miracles. That's who this is. And going back now into uh, all all of the, uh, you know, I, I love it on the road to Emmaus where Jesus says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets and, and you know, everything, all the Psalms, he goes through every verse pertaining to him. And all of this stuff is by him and for him. And he just flips open the Bible and he's like, all of this is about me. Um, I, what I love about this, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. This was Jesus coming to earth was never God's fallback plan. It was always. Uh, and he makes that point uh, at the end of that section uh, of 13 um, through 21 that that this was always going to happen, that Christ is being revealed uh, in that. And it is those that were 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 bringing this message, these voices of these prophets um Searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out what time, what the circumstances were, because there's God is speaking through them in this voice of prophecy, and they're not even hardly connecting the dots. Okay, but here's Jesus talking about uh, you know Moses or whatever, and he said he was he was you know he received it with joy, even though he didn't understand everything about it in his day. He was uh, chosen yeah. before the creation of the world. The foundations of the earth, you bet. Just think about that and be like, man, yeah. what an idea. <laughs> and, and, and so who is, who is speaking in these prophets? Who is it? The Spirit, Spirit of, Christ. of Christ. And he, what is he speaking about? Himself. The person of Christ. <laughs> this right. is the pre-incarnate Christ 
speaking about the post-incarnate Christ and all of these so that moments. Uh, and so here's God himself will give you a sign so that, you know, this virgin is going to give birth to a son so that all will believe and understand that it's God doing he this. He sees the end. Before the beginning. And that's what that's what messianic prophecy does. That's right. Down to 30 pieces of that silver, down cool. to the kiss on the cheek, down Virgin. to a, a donkey that's never been ridden. That's you right. know, And this is Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 53. It's just it, the level of detail is just insane. And so I just love that, that this is where Peter is going with that. He's, he's doing the exact same thing that I do with the, with the people that I'm encountering in exactly the same region and just saying, look at, the, look at these prophecies. And we spent half a podcast, Larry, talking about that last little uh, statement. We said even angels mm. long to look into these things because there they are in the yeah. other realm, yeah. not sure exactly what's happening, right. but watching all this unfold as well. Right. That And that Greek word there is, is someone peering over the edge. Right. Like they're looking at this humanity like, right. what, what is this? I mean, you know, what, I've, I've always loved that. I, me too. We have the ability to give God something that even the angels cannot and that is faith and trust because they they have they, they they can't use faith or trust they're looking at him they're seeing him they're in his presence and that's what they are they don't even understand the capacity it takes for a human being to move from faith to trust in that and this is what they're peering into this idea that i would give up everything this pearl of great price the treasure hidden in the field this idea that you know i always use the analogy that in america it costs me nothing to come to christ but these people coming out of afghanistan and iran it costs them absolutely everything yeah every relationship and it's just matthew 10 because they're kicked out of their family they're, setting forever they've got right? their own family trying to kill them and to restore honor in that family. Right. That's yeah. that's the culture that they live in. Yeah. Well, I was going to say what made me think of the work you do with with people in Iran and Afghanistan. In that same vein, you know, when Peter, when he got down to verse 22, when he said, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for for your brothers, love one another deeply. And it made me just think, of how his attitude had changed towards people. And so I went over, and you remember what happened in Acts 10 when uh, Cornelius, you can read the whole thing in your own time, but, you know, had a, had a vision, and he's like, you need to talk to Peter. And so when Peter finally uh, had this conversation with Cornelius in verse 26 of chapter 10, Peter made him uh, get up because Cornelius fell at his feet in reverence. He said, stand up. I'm only a man myself. And talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. And uh, so then he goes on to say in verse 34, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. But you got to remember, this is the same Peter who had, there was a big argument uh, in Galatians. Where's that? Al? Galatians uh, 2, I think. Galatians 2, because they were wrestling 
with this. And uh, and what I was going to say is really what the world is trying to do in bringing people together in various ways from riots or, you know, just from movies and commercials and, you know, if we could all be on the same plane, really only happens in the new birth in Jesus. I mean, you find this sincere love for people just because they're people. And it made me think even before this, you remember in Acts 9 when uh, the Lord told Ananias to go to Paul. And it's it's almost comical because Ananias is, is like arguing with the Lord. So in He's like, Are you sure, Lord? Yeah, oh, in yeah. Acts 9, Do you know, 10, you know this guy? How, do you know how bad this guy? Yeah. yeah, in 10, he says, yeah. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he said. The Lord yeah. said, Go to the, go to Straight Street and ask for a man oh, from Tarsus named yeah. Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him, restore his sight. And this is what I'm going to say that it's not about us, to go back to your point on the last podcast. You know, it's it's about the, the what the Lord is doing in us. Ananias said, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man mm-hmm. and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. I mean, he's literally saying, Lord, you don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> right. This is not the guy. Again, <laughs> we're trying to control the It's outcome. a bad hombre. Yeah. yeah, and he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said, go. This is my chosen instrument. And Now, to Ananias' credit, when he did go, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming, has sent me. You know, So he did surrender. But I just I thought that was a necessary vein to talk about in that you see the transformation that happened in Peter's life. You know, we all have, uh, you know, favoritism tendencies in life and our culture only accelerates that. Right. And Jesus, you know, through his death on the cross, tore down those walls. But you actually just see how God works, that he every single person is valuable. When you said that, he's always looking for the one. Yeah. And it doesn't mean. What country they're from. Right. It's the one. It's the one. Paul says something very similar. He says, I now no longer know anybody by the flesh, but only by the spirit. I just don't see people that way anymore. And that's the point that Peter makes in First Peter uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 17. He says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, he's not a respecter of persons. Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't see... The way we see, and that's what I was saying, the idea that when we, he becomes our life, our eyes become his eyes. We see things the way he sees them. Um, You know, we talk about, everybody's always trying to get, you know, what they need to be delivered from and that sort of thing. Um, and, And you try to stop it in your own strength and in your own power, whether it's addictions to this or that or whatever. And, the you know, you resist it. Whatever I do in the flesh only strengthens the flesh. I when I when I say I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna when I when I fail. I don't go back doing that to the same degree, man, I fall off the wagon and you don't see me for three months, you know? And so it's the, to the same level I try in my own strength, to the same degree that I fall. What I need is uh, it, you know, for me to be delivered from something, it's not limiting my access to it. It's got to be to the point true deliverance happens when I don't want it anymore. Mm. Mm. 
when the desire of my heart is changed and my desire is now not consumed, and this is his whole point here in, in chapter one, this is what you inherited. That was the desire of your heart. It's that last uh, you know, thing right here uh, in, in ch- uh, chapter one. You've been transformed, and now the things that you used to want anymore don't that's, mm-hmm. that's true deliverance. Yeah, yeah right. only, I'm only truly delivered. I mean, I know it's wrong, and I know I'm not supposed to want it, but I'm only truly delivered when that's not, that's not my desire anymore. I just don't want that. Yeah. And you even, <clears throat> you even see that outside of, uh, of Christianity and being a believer just in people as they naturally mature, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're younger, and the things that you think are so important right. two years later don't matter at all. Right. That w- what they once did. Yeah. Why? Because you've changed. Yeah. Because things change. That's why I brought up these two examples. I mean, you never think a murder of followers of Jesus would ever be the speaker of how to bring people to Jesus. Right. You would never think there was a racist on who or who was alienating groups of people from following Jesus now being the the theologian on being a holy nation, right. uh, you know, unity together, valuing, yeah. having sincere love. Yeah. I mean, you didn't just say have love, you're sincere. Right. Yep. Sincere love. I mean, it's a special the, kind of love. The Lord's talking to Ananias, like you're talking about, to go see Saul. Yeah. And he's like, you go tell him that how much he's going to suffer yeah. for my name. That's because right. I am, I'm about to become his life. Yeah. Um, he is, he's, he's going to die. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take him through my death and he's going to become my instrument. Man, I was thinking about this the other day uh, as I was studying this. And I think I'm, I, I had this thought. You, you you talk about Abraham, you talk about Moses, you talk about David, you talk about Paul, you talk about Peter. Every one of these guys, Jesus had to wreck their yeah. life yeah. and break them into like a million little smithering pieces where there was absolutely no way they could ever fix themselves so that he could put them back together. Yeah. It was he put them in an impossible situation. I'm telling you, David was the worst man. Mm-hmm. But then he just told Paul going in, "This is how it's going to be." Which, which yeah. is really amazing. Let's take our first break. Which is really amazing because we try to think we need to make Jesus and the gospel so attractive. Here's what you get. Here's almost like you're, you know, sh- on a shopping club. We, you know, we get all these benefits. Of, right. we, we, his message was, oh, you, here's, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. You, yeah. You know, you're, this you're, whole letter no was about suffering. Yeah, no servants <laughs> above his master. Exactly. Here, here's my point. Yeah. I don't even know how the prosperity gospel exists in the light of all of these red letters. And here's what we do. We get Jesus, you know, through the gospel, we get him on the cross, we get him off the cross, we get him out of the grave and he's ascended, and then we just blow right into, you know, Acts and and Romans and yeah. and 1st and 2nd Corinthians and we build our theologies 
all in that and never come back and balance any of that stuff against these red letters. Oh, so, I agree. That's it. Okay. And so we read Acts and it's like, the choir now. oh my goodness. I'm like, <laughs> so that's why I'm always preaching this whole red letter thing. And that's how I ended that is like, these are, these are red letters, folks. Which is, why, is, which is why on our podcast, we, we tell this to our audience all the time. Cause we're like, right now we're studying first Peter, but we just studied Mark. Yeah. We, we never go more than two or three books out before we go back. Mm-hmm. So we never the, lose our well, synergy for where it starts. Right. The red yeah. letters is the head of the church. You have all these letters to the church, but mm-hmm. if you just only stay there, you're dealing with the arms and the legs. Well, the head right. is the key part of the body right? Uh, for obvious reasons. But we, we, lose, lose the we lose the the total idea of losing our life. We're 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 over here in the rest of the New Testament trying to save our life. We what we're doing is we are constructing a new religion out of these texts. And if you look at all the Pauline writings, he spends the first ha- I mean every one of them, he spends the first half of the book telling you who you are now in Christ because you died. You've been crucified yeah. with Christ, you no longer live anymore. Mm-hmm. You forget you're dead. You're doing CPR on a corpse when you're trying to fix yourself. Mm-hmm. Stop it. This is who you are in Christ. And then he tells you what to do. And the mm-hmm. purpose of him telling you what to do is not to transform you into something. It is to reveal the transformation that has already taken place in you. The greatest yeah. secret in living the Christian life is simply accepting what you've always had in Christ from the very oh, beginning. Yeah. Well, Peter did the same thing. Look, yeah. the first 12 verses, there was no admonition for you to do anything. No. He was like, praise be to God. Yeah. He did what? In this his is, great mercy. He's given us new birth. Yeah. You're like, well, wait a minute. I thought I did the new birth. No, he yeah. gave that to you too. Yeah. And and he refines your faith. This It's all these, the inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Right. He's, right. he's keeping it. You and, didn't earn and, it. You and, didn't store it And up guess there. what? It's not here yet. It's being kept in heaven for you, and you're going to receive it when yeah. Christ is revealed. Yeah. That's his whole point in the first chapter of 1 Peter and the first chapter of 2 Peter. Yeah. So when he gets to therefore yeah. in verse 13. <laughs> you need to stop and see what it's there for. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned a minute ago about Moses, and you also mentioned that in your sermon you preached, the I am uh-huh. idea about Moses before that bush. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I thought that was so powerful because I've taught that so many times because Moses's life is in those three sort of 40 year quadrants. Mm-hmm. And that first 40, as you mentioned, he's raised in yeah. Pharaoh's house he's it, God where you earth. are a God. Yeah, right. And he has all this military training. He knows the best of everything. He, so he steps into his moment. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's not there for him. Right. So then he goes through 40 years of raising sheep. Figuring out he's and I'm I'm not nothing, <laughs> right. and then everything he tells God he's not. Right, God says I am, I am, which is powerful. And so then even that last forty years is really amazing because I call them the glowing years because in those years he spent enough time with the Almighty he literally came out glowing. That's it on several occasions. Glory in the veil. I remember preaching that he's like you know, he's keeping people up at night. You know they got to put a veil <laughs> exactly. over his face. It's like people are terrified. Exactly. And and but it so much makes the point. And, and I want you to touch on this because you, you made it. You hit a thought I had never thought of before about the concept of the manna mm. uh, in relationship to Jesus, which I thought yeah. was really powerful about that daily manna. So talk a little oh, bit about goodness. that because I thought that was a really powerful illustration. Yeah. I mean, and when Jesus says that that he is, he said, "I am the true manna." 
that comes down from heaven and this anyone who eats this bread will live forever and this bread is my flesh that is given for the life of the world and so um, I made the point that I also did it in John 15 when he, he doesn't compare himself to a vine. He says, I, I'm not like a vine. I'm, I'm the vine. Uh, anything that he says that he is, I am, he is the absolute fulfillment of everything that thing was ever supposed to preach or teach. Um, and so the idea that when he says, I am the true manna, what, what purpose did manna serve? So there's 40 years in the desert. I am the Lord God who brought you out of Israel. This is how he begins all of his, his commands. Even as we're talking about this Levitical law, he's taking them back through all of that. And he's saying, I'm, I'm the one who brought you out of 400 years of bondage. You can walk from Cairo to Canaan in 11 days if you never stopped and rest. You can make it in about six weeks taking your time and camping out. God led the way, and it took them 40 years. And we think that manna was given to teach or just to sustain people for 40 years while they're lost. They're never lost. They've got the presence of God in a pillar in fire and cloud, and he's, he's with them. And there's this tent of meeting, and he's, you know, he's always with them. He's tabernacled them himself in that moment, and he is causing manna to come in the morning, and quail comes in the evening. He's doing miraculous things like their clothes don't wear out. Why did it take him 40 years to get them through there? For one purpose. And he's weeding out a generation of people who already know everything. They can't be taught. They're stiff-necked, and they'll never repent. That's one purpose. The second purpose is to teach one principle, and that is that they have to go out every morning and gather that manna and eat it, okay? What happened if they tried to save it? It became infested with worms and maggots, except on the Sabbath, and then he did something supernatural. So if I took my Tupperware out there and tried to gather enough because I wanted to sleep in the next morning, I opened it up. And guess what? It's worms and maggots. Everything that was ever meant to preach or teach, Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of. For 40 years, God made them go out, pick it up, bend over, gather it, put it in their mouth, chew it up, ingest it, and make it a part of themselves in order to teach one thing is utter dependence upon him. Well, if Jesus, the fulfillment of all of that teaching, I am the true manna, then the Jesus I had yesterday is worms and maggots today. And I've got to gather him again because relationships are moment by moment. Abiding in Christ is moment by moment. I keep that door open to abiding. You know, it, Jesus uses this language, abide in that vine. I have an option of abiding in that vine or not abiding in that vine. And when I'm not abiding in, in that vine, I'm not going to be fruitful. I'm, I'm good for nothing. Um, in Revelation 3.20, he says, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever would open that door. He's not opening the door. He's knocking on the door. He's knocking on everybody's door. Will we get up and open the door? Whoever will open it, I'm coming in, and I'm going to abide with them and them with me. And this idea that I cannot, I want you to think about how we, how we dis, disabide in Christ. I've got to, if Jesus is 
I open the door and I'm looking at Jesus. We're looking face to face and I'm going to go do my sin. What do I have to do with that door? Close it. I got to slam that baby shut. You know, say, pardon me, I'm going to go do this. I cannot sin. I am holy because he's holy when I am looking at him face to face. Mm. When I take control of that doorknob and close it and then... You know, I'm going to go study my Bible. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to live on the Jesus I had yesterday. It's worms and maggots. And I'm fooling myself and I'm killing myself. I thought that was a great illustration. It's so true. Um, Let's take another break. Because it really shows that, you know, we study Hebrews, that shadow. I never thought about manna as being the shadow of the bread of life. Mm. Jesus, but that was another really good All those I am statements. Go back and look. You're talking about the greatest nickname ever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I am. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And that was the point that he was making to Moses. Moses begins to make excuses. You know, I'm not smart. Well, I am your wisdom. I'm not strong. You know, I'm your strength. And he's like, well, I'm not very good with words. And he's like, dude, I am the word. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you tell him I am sent you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I made that point last podcast where when I see word, I I think Jesus first Mm -hmm. because of the logos, you know, from John 1. Well, when he gets to 1 Peter at the end, I looked it up just to make sure. But when he says 23, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word, word of logos, logos of God. Okay. I'm like, and then we go I, back up to verse 10, and it's who's speaking through these prophets. Well, exactly. it's him. He is the word. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that'll keep us from becoming, was as the religious word is legalistic in this thinking by having to possess all, uh, you know, scripture clearly and you know and then viewing all commands is something i have to i have to do and i have to fulfill it's you're just setting yourself up yeah for failure or well, as you my point you is worms, is that, and, worms well, and maggots <laughs> yeah following christ is not an analytical endeavor no it's right. a pursuit of a life and death relationship with jesus yeah and i, I made the point fantastic. you know is is that if i were to ask everybody you know what's the most important thing in life to you you know, if I, I asked that audience, I'd get a bunch of different answers because we as humans tend to think a lot of things are really important when they're not that important. And I made the point that we shouldn't be afraid of failure. What she, we should really be afraid of is succeeding at things in life that don't really matter at all. Yeah. And if we were to ask Jesus what's the most important thing to him, he'd probably say the loss of your life and your pride and your righteousness and your little kingdom and your holiness and all that stuff you hold important so that you can gain my life and my righteousness and my holiness. One of the worst illustrations I ever did, I don't know what I was thinking, but I asked, I was teaching a class and it was packed. And I said, how many rules are we under in the Christian faith? Yeah. Chaos (laughs) ensues. There was every number from millions to 660 yeah. to 14 to 10 yeah. to 2 to 75. I thought, yeah. I did not realize we are this disjointed as a group of people. On which I was yeah. making the point that you slapped Christ, the horn at Christ uh, nailed that to the cross, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, I'd give you two just 
partial credit. You know, love the Lord your God and love your neighbors yourself. Sums up and, uh, all the law in the front. But all I did was make everybody mad because yeah. no one, you know, it's like I thought, man, well, we, we've gotten off here a little bit in our theology. This exactly. is more of a so, rule keeping Yeah, system. you ought to say something like, you know, the Jesus you had yesterday is worms and maggots today. You want to make people <laughs> mad. I'm sure we'll get all kinds of letters. It really that, affected but... me, though, <laughs> that, that we were this far apart in, in our gathering. Uh-huh. I, I thought, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so be careful what question you ask before oh, Bible class, because yeah. I'm not sure anyone ever recovered and got the meaning. Yeah. So let me read the rest of this, Chase, because you brought this up, and I want to read it down to 2-3, because we hadn't really dealt a lot with this text. So I want to do that with, with Larry on the podcast. For you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Logos, Word of God. And we know that's Jesus. Then he says in verse 24, for all men are like grass, and this is a quote from Isaiah 40. Mm-hmm. All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. Mm. The grass withers and the flowers fall. And Larry, you were pointing that out in this idea about the life has to come from what's inside, right? Right. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And that's not Logos, right, Jess? You looked it up. That's Well, it, right. It's a different <clears throat> word because it was them speaking that the same word, but it was the right. them speaking it to them. Right, so, right. Mm-hmm. The word it's now the same speaks principle. Word, right? Yeah, it's now like we're, that's what we told you. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a different, the words we use about the word. And it is, came from the word because right, it was the exactly. spirit of Christ. Right. But I think it's interesting because if you were writing this to a group of people, who are fixing to suffer, th- this would be very encouraging. You've been born of imperishable. You, there's right. something imperishable inside. You're going to suffer. You're perhaps you're going to die. Right. And and you're going to have some moments where you look like a flower, but, but it's going to, it's going to wither and it's going to fall. I mean, he was preparing them for what was fixed to happen. Right. And if I was sitting in that audience, I would think, well, the last thing I need to do is chunk Jesus because there's going to be suffering as a result of me falling. Right. Which I think was his goal here. Right. And it's, I mean, when you when you pick verse 23 apart, um, you, you have been born again, not of imperishable. And we've run right past this word seed, not a perishable. Mm. OK. And this word seed, yeah. if you go, if you take all of this back to Matthew five, six and seven, this is my point. All of that is is on the hard drive. Yep. And this is where Peter's drawing this from is that unless a seed dies and falls to the ground, it stays to itself. But but mm-hmm. if it dies and falls to the ground, man, it raises up, and there's that Luke 8, uh, 30, 60, uh, even 100 times what was sown. Well, because you have something that's life. It's right, not, exactly. It's not dead. It's, I mean, right. I made the point, if you bury, if you'd have buried a piece of gold or a piece of glass, these are all dead things. You, you, right. you, you, you dig it back up, well, nothing happened. Right. Except it deteriorated a little bit because I'm a treasure hunter. So right. I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm not dig Like if I dug something up that was alive. Right. Well, that would be a different kind of treasure. I'm right. now. <laughs> right. Which is my, is my point that yeah. when you're born again and this is something that produced life. Right. And this is Phil's entire message. There is one imperishable life and that is the life of christ in us this is the the core of the gospel yes and then he he makes this analogy about you know grass and the flowers of the field and you take that back to matthew 5 6 7 do not worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear 
lean not to your own understanding, trust in me. For yeah. even Solomon in all of his splendor was not arrayed like one of these. Yeah. And it's the idea of moving from my understanding to trust, all of these things. And, and it is the word. All of this is based, when I'm talking about moving from faith to trust, it is the character. It is the person of Jesus Christ. It is the word that became flesh that endures forever. That's what's imperishable. And yeah. so he begins this idea with saying where all these prophecies came from, we think that Jesus is quoting Isaiah. What Jesus is doing is quoting himself, quoting Isaiah, quoting himself. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? And then no, he's, he's coming up at awesome. the end, and the word of the Lord endures forever. And then this is what Peter's saying, I'm a one-string banjo. He said, this is the word that I preach to you. Yeah, I'm not exactly. preaching anything. And I said, all of this is on the hard drive because if I'm using my own words, it'll never ring true to anybody. Yeah. If I'm speaking these red letters into people's hearts, mm -hmm. it's going to hit the hard drive. It's going to hit the good soil. I'm looking for the one. I'm looking for those that are looking for Jesus, and they're going to bear fruit. Because Christ is going to become <clears throat> Which is why he says we preach Jesus not with words of human wisdom or yeah. intellect. Where is that at? And uh, I think it's First that's, Corinthians. That's or, Paul. Yeah. yeah. I proclaim to know nothing when I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, lest I empty the cross of its power. Yeah. There's, think, there's the power. Yeah. So let's take a break. No, I was thinking when you said that about seed, too, because Paul takes... That whole concept, same concept, mm -hmm. but then he frames it with Abraham mm -hmm. and faith. Right. The seed of Abraham. The seed of Abraham. Yeah. You know, you see it in what, Romans 4, you see it in, in Galatians 3, and he goes back to that idea that his seed was as good as dead, that he had no, no heir, and yet by God's divine hand, mm -hmm. that there would be a promise that would come if you believed in me. Right. And so, and he opened that door up as that's the kind of seed that we're talking about with Christ. Right. And then it comes by faith. And so I, I love it. It's the same idea, but it's just told in a different way, but it's right. all over the Old Testament right. that it's there. And here's Abraham trying to fix it in the power of his flesh in his own seed. And he's like, no, 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 this is going to be an imperishable seed. That's right. And then he even said, okay, now, so you got the one seed, you know, the son that I promised you. Know, so, yeah. so, so I want you to go kill him. But then yeah. you get into this. Yeah, you talk about this, faith to uh, trust, right? Yeah, exactly. When you get into royalty and a king and the seed that's passed down and the sun that would come up and how many thousands of movies are there about that, you know, preserving the seed line and yeah. Yeah, royalty. And then you had under the Jewish system, the priests and the regulations on who could be the priest. And, and you say, well, that just all seems complex when it talks about king and priest. Mm. But then you read, when you read Hebrews 7, 16, where it says that, one has a who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. That's it. That's an enduring word, enduring seed. Now that's, that's Jesus. Trust. You say, well, that's why trust. is he king yeah. and why is he priest? Why should I do it? He's indestructible. Yeah. Do I have your attention now? The one yeah. we're following <clears throat> and putting our faith in and singing to and singing about and sharing with every person he's indestructible yeah. when that really gets a hold of you and you look around at you know your pitiful self no matter how much you work out or whatever yeah, right. you're like well wait a minute here <laughs> there's an indestructible being out there that's historically 
accurate. We have yeah. a book you can read through history. You can go through his seed line. You can read other books. And you know, his, his life is going to become my life. I mean, all of a sudden. This, I no this, longer this, live yeah. and he lives in me. You're like, oh, that's what you're in on. Yeah, that's what we're in on. Yeah. So He's we, indestructible. Yeah. I, it, I get that. Because we make thousands of movies about indestructible people who are not. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> but we love yeah. the idea of someone yeah. being indestructible. Yeah, we we want to fly do. through the planets. Yeah. We want to get run over. And then up, he's back again. Yeah. And, Can't kill that guy. You better and, shoot him again. And here's Peter knowing, I mean, it's been revealed to him that he's going to die. And this is what he wants to, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be killed. And I know how and when. And I'm in Rome right now. And yep. this is where it's going down. And he's, this is the message that he is leaving. It's the same idea that Paul says, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You can't kill a Christian. You can only change their address. You know what I mean? Because it's I'm not worried about how things turn out in this temporary world. And that's what Peter says here in chapter 1. He says, as you're living as refugees, as foreigners, as aliens in this permanent residence— you know, um, and the idea, man, I, it real, makes me realize how long we've been talking about moving from faith to trust, because I think I mentioned this 50 or 100 episodes ago or whatever it is. But the idea that we um, don't have anything in our own capacity to do that and, and the things that God, the situations God puts us in, and you mentioned Abraham, it's like, okay, so here's this long thing and now you get Isaac. And you've got him, now go kill him. And I'm not sure what that journey was up to the mountain yeah. and then the time frame. And we're, I think we're in Hebrews 11. Yeah, you know, right. And then I talk about Noah. This thing went on for a hundred years. hundred years. And everybody's mocking him every day he goes out there and he picks up that broad axe and they're just yakking at him, you know, yeah. for a hundred years. And and you don't know, again, again, you know, it's like, Lord, I love you. Just please don't make me prove it. <laughs> but over and yeah. over in Scripture, that's what he's doing. He's looking, We're looking for evidence all the time of Christ yeah. in our life. Guess what he's looking for in us? Evidence. That's Are you it. following me? That's right. Do you truly yeah. love Is me? Is it real? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the book of Revelation, man, church at Laodicea, you've just fallen, man. Go back to your first love. Mm. Oh, we we're good. We got a lot of money. Yeah, we're wealthy. We're oh good. no, you're you're blind and pitiful and poor and wretched and naked. The That's very what, thing that know. Peter argued about, yeah, about Jesus dying in Second Peter chapter one. I think it's right to refresh your memory <laughs> as long as I live in the tent yeah. of this body, yeah. because I know that I'll soon put it aside, as the Lord Jesus has made clear to me. He mm -hmm. said, they're going to take you down and kill you. Yeah. you know, the, I don't know whether the writer of the book had said he was crucified upside down to make mm -hmm. it. Well, his, his well, history. Yeah, I mean, yeah, church, early church history says yeah. that. But, uh, you know, we think that Peter wrote this in chapter 5. Uh, it's a fellow by the name of Silas. Uh, in verse 12, uh, Silvius is actually his name. It's not, it's not necessarily Paul's Silas, but is the guy that they believe actually composed this. Right. You know? And so very much uh, the way the book of Mark is the memoirs of, of Peter. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we talked about that when yeah. we studied. Let's take our last break. I want to read this last uh, 
couple of verses here that lead us up to, to four, because um, he has another therefore mm-hmm. um, on this text we've been looking at. He says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And so it's kind of almost Pauline the way he kind of gives a little bit of a list here, but but I'm interested to get your take on it, why he, he chose these certain things. Because he he'd started this by talking about love, mm-hmm. your love for one another. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk mm-hmm. so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Right. <clears throat> My take on this is that it goes back uh, to uh, verse 14 where it says you had these evil desires uh, that you have when you lived in ignorance. Mm-hmm. Now that you've lost your life, now that you're new in Christ, you are like a newborn babe. And so this is the old behaviors. It, it really is kind of a microcosm of everything he's talking about uh, in chapter 1. Um, and, and these are just, you know, it's the hit list. I mean, we could, we could apply every one of those things to ourselves, the malice and deceit and hypocrisy. You know, man, we think murder's the worst and all of that sort of thing. But when you talk about, you go back to those red letters and you see Jesus, really what bothers him more than anything else is hypocrisy. Go to, go to Matthew 24, the seven woes. You hypocrites! Yeah, you big pile of snakes. You know, I'm I created the world, and I don't know how you guys are going to escape the coming wrath. I just don't see how you're going to make it. You know, isn't that just amazing to have the Creator of all things speaking into that level of hypocrisy? It and is it's still hypocrisy. It's still one of the most hated things. It is. We look at it in modern politics and what's mm-hmm. going on even now. At, you know, with this thing with Biden and Trump and all that, people yeah. hate hypocrisy. Yeah. You know, if you say something, you make a strong stand, right. and then a month later you find out you're doing the very thing you said right. that you were blaming somebody else to do. People hate that. I mean, like, at our core of our being, it goes against it. And that's why, like you said, it's hardwired in the DNA. It is. God hates it first. He does. He does. And I mean, and he chose the the despised things of the world, the strong to, you know, shame the weak, or I mean, the weak to shame the strong, and and the, you know, anyway— what I'm saying in this is that the desire, he's, he's making the point that the desire of your heart has changed because that your, your life has changed. Mm. You're no longer living, but Christ is living in you. These things are all inconsistent with the life of Christ. So don't run back to those old idols. Yeah, you're There's, a new baby now. Exactly. And so you're craving pure spiritual milk. You may not be able to eat meat yet, but right. guess what? You are you're you're you have received a new life source. Right. And this is the thing that kills me. We talked about deliverance uh, a while ago. I just I just I know this to be true in my own life. When my the desire of my heart has been changed and transformed, where I have been set free from something I used to be drawn to, when I try to run back to that thing. He will not allow it to meet my need the way it used to meet my need. He's a jealous God, and he just won't let it work. That's why you see somebody who's you know always drawn to uh, r- drugs or alcohol. They have to go back and use three, four, five times the level, you know, and it still never works for them the way that it did before they came to Christ. And so he will. He's just not going to allow the things that used to meet your need to work for you anymore. He said, I'm going to do this so that the only thing that's going to work for you is me. Right. 
it probably explains why people, when they return back to an old life, mm-hmm. the destruction seems to go pretty quickly, right? It does. And yeah. you probably saw that a lot as an EMT. And, yeah. I mean, you you know, a, a person who was, you know, shouldn't have been as far advanced as they were, right. were, mm-hmm. just because of lifestyle. Exactly. Right? Because yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you put chemicals like that in your body, it's going to kill you. Right. You know, meth is... It's horrible. So disturbing. Uh, the CR group, you know, at WFR, man, they see it all the time and they work with that. Right. And Robert and I were talking about that. Uh, people that relapse and go back to using what they were and they'd been off it for a while, their body can't handle what they had built up that immunity to and it kills them. Right. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, in the same way, sin is toxic to us. We're allergic to sin. We're not built and designed for sin. So all of these things... Are, are you know they go against the truth that's written in us yep. this is truth in life do you think it goes back Larry, to the to the genesis 1 um was it 126 we're made in the image of god absolutely and the idea that three uh, three and one that he made us like him so that every person that's born like you i like the way you say it's hardwired mm-hmm. every person has the capacity to connect to the creator because that's how we're made. And we then are. sin gets in the but, way. But it also, Absolutely. it does that, but it also makes you realize, well, everyone else is born in the image of God. I mean, if you look at this list in that's chapter right. two, you, you, all those things listed you would only do towards someone else. Malice, uh, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. I think that's why he was making that point. It's... This is not about you. You know, once you you give up, you know, you're crucified, you become a new person, you then become part of because I think it's the lead into what he's fixing to say, mm-hmm. which is you've been you're being built into a spiritual house. No matter where you're from, what you did, mm-hmm. what you look like, it, it you're all together coming with Jesus as, you know, the foundation, but you're offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable you're a holy priesthood i mean then he goes on like in verse nine you're a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to god that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light mm-hmm. you were you were not a people but now you're the people of god mm-hmm. i mean i think there's he he recognized even in his own life there was a time where he would put people into boxes mm-hmm. based on where they were from Right. Or what they thought. Well, he's definitely leading into community, mm-hmm. which is where he's well, headed right, with right. the people of God. Well, I just noticed. I mean, there are evil desires, and we're always putting on the you know the new and, and putting off the old. I mean, that happens when we come to Christ. Right. I think that's what he meant when he said you purified yourselves. I mean, Jesus did the purification, but it was, you know, in Jesus, you're now deemed pure. Because of what because he did. Because he's pure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he's, but, that, but it's a different kind of motivation. Then you're looking at people and realizing, oh, there's a cure for this. You know, his name is Jesus. So, I no, I longer, he, yeah, no longer regard people from a worldly point of view. Exactly. Back I think he's your, trying to get them to realize the yeah. condition of the people around them, even though they're going to be persecuted and they're going to suffer right. for declaring Jesus as We've Lord. We've all sinned and all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all right, yeah. unrighteous, but we're all created in his image. Back to that Genesis one twenty six is the point that Paul's making in Romans chapter 1. All people know of God. That's right. Well, right. It's, it's kind of written like, in them. It's been revealed. It's to been your revealed. Point, 
point, it's like yeah. when Jesus looked at the crowds and he's, uh, he, they looked like they, they were sheep without a shepherd. Right. Well, we do the same thing, but we're like, but we know the shepherd. Yeah. Let me. Yeah. Because you're looking, you're wanting to introduce, you know, the people to the shepherd, which mm-hmm. is what we're doing. Yeah. And it's a hard thing to watch <clears throat> to see people who have no idea the capacity they have for such a better way. Right. That they just hadn't found it yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's hard because I, I was thinking about that. We were talking about earlier with Ananias and Paul and Ananias' reaction. And I, I thought about with dad's story and Bill Smith, the famously yeah. didn't want to go. Like dad's sister was like, you got to come go to this bar with me. And, and in Bill's defense, I would have reacted the same way. I thought, well, if you got to take me to the bar to force yeah. it, I mean, yeah. he may not be ready. Like, right. if he's not, does he want me to come to the bar? Yeah. And so, like, he was very <laughs> reluctant. But because of Jan's persistence, he went. Well, Dad yeah. wasn't ready. Yeah. And so he listened, but he didn't hear yeah. and basically ran him out. Mm-hmm. But that opened a door for when he was ready to search. And when he was, yeah, this guess is, what? This is what I tell people. You know, in, in Athens, it's a it's a flow of people, you know, that come through, and you may get one touch. And so you're constantly, you're Luke 8, you're just slinging truth with both hands. But when that seed gets in there, it's a little bit like a, f- a framework in a building. You know, mm-hmm. if it's made out of metal and water gets in there, it's going to start to corrode. And, and framework of false religion is like that. When you put truth in there, it'll it'll corrode. It may not come down tomorrow or the next day, but it's eventually coming down. And that's exactly what what Bill did there. Yep. And he might have been a little bit like Ananias, going, "Lord, do you know this guy?" Well, that's what <laughs> you I'm know, what I, mean? I think he was. Yeah, who, who drives to a bar? <laughs> who drives to a bar? You know, to share. Jesus? That, that's a radical move where yeah. you're putting yourself in danger. Especially, yeah. with, I mean, no offense, yeah. but you were a maniac at that time in your life. Yeah. So that that's what I'm getting at is that when we read the verse as angels long to look into these things, mm-hmm. well, also on the other side of that, you read Ephesians 6, when you step out or you stand in Jesus' name, there's a group of angels in the dark world who, who do not like you being bold and courageous. And, and I, I really feel like a lot of the persecution that comes is coming from that camp because they're looking into these things also. And, yeah. and but in the case of that little dynamic duo, there was a little sister yeah. that had a faith. Mm-hmm. And a courage. That said, yeah. that led to trust and courage. Yeah. They said, you know what? If we can get this, my brother, yeah. thousands will come to Christ. Some of the guys drinking beer attacked her. Yeah, you know, really, because she was handing out tracks while they were getting drunk. But you defended her, right? I defended her. Well, even no even as a heathen, she's <laughs> my sister. Leave her alone. Yeah. But it's no different when the first time I shared Jesus with my buddies, who were all drinking yeah. at yeah. the time. Yeah, it was a hail of persecution. The response: nobody said, "Oh, I'm in." It yeah. was all you're, you know, what are you? Yeah. This is but you joke. planted some seeds that started well, some corrosion. As the years That's went exactly by, right. they all started calling, you yeah. know, from Which prison and, you know. All right, we're out of time. Larry, it's always a pleasure having oh, you on Unashamed. We're going to have you over for one more overtime, if you don't okay. mind. Absolutely. And uh, we'll wrap this up. If you want to follow us over as uh, we wrap up this discussion uh, from First Peter 1 and the first few verses, chapter 2, you can follow us over at blazetv.com slash unashamed. Not only do you get our overtime, but everything that Blaze has to offer. So check us out. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. 
And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.